In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Juliet once said to her Romeo, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And she said this as a way of arguing that his name, Montague, was meaningless because if he had had any other name, he would still be the same person deep down. Just like if a rose was called something else, it would still smell the same. Therefore, she argues, the two of them should be able to be together, regardless of their feuding families. And while she has a point, Romeo would be the same guy, whether he was called Peter or John or Romeo. Throughout history, names have actually had a tremendous amount of importance. Most people think that the act of calling another person by a name evolved as speech itself evolved. In other words, names are as old as speech. But by the time of the Hebrew scriptures, we know that names had become important and powerful. For instance, speaking a deity's name was thought to invoke that deity's spirit, which is why God's name is never spoken within Judaism. Later, in medieval times, it became common to name a child after a saint in the hopes that that saint, or saints, if given more than one name, would protect the child. And throughout history, names have often reflected parents' hopes and dreams for their child's future, often naming children after important family matriarchs and patriarchs, or after prominent and influential people in history. So in many ways, names have often been tied to character and identity. And this is most certainly true in the Bible. Most names that we encounter, especially for prevalent characters, are no accident, but are rather signifiers of who that person is, their identity in God. For instance, Eve's name is related to the word for life in Hebrew as she is the one from whom all life springs. Abraham means father of many. Isaac means one who laughs because Sarah and Abraham laughed when they heard that they would have a child. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, which means one who struggles with God after he wrestles with an angel of the Lord on the bank of a river. Job's name means persecuted or hated. And King Solomon's name means peace because he was the first to rule without war. So it should come as no surprise that we have this feast day dedicated to the celebration of Jesus' holy name on this eighth day after Christmas. In Jesus' day, Mosaic law required that every male child be circumcised on the eighth day from his birth. And it had long been the custom to make it a festive occasion when family and friends came together to witness the naming of the child. Because as we have established, names are significant. 
And so Mary and Joseph on the eighth day named their boy Jesus because this little baby who laid in a manger would grow to be the mighty one who would save his people from their sins. For you see, the Greek word for Jesus is a transliteration of a Hebrew term, which means God saves or God is salvation. In other words, Jesus' name is tied to his identity as the savior of the world, the one in whom all find salvation. His name proclaims the truth that this eight-day-old baby who was visited by shepherds and magi alike, the mighty one who was there at the beginning of all things and humbled himself to take on human flesh and dwell among us, would be the same one who would empty himself completely by giving his life for the life of the world and save all of it, save all of us in the process. His name stands as witness to the fact that this eight-day-old baby is the same one whose name is and will always be exalted and is the one before whom every knee bends in heaven and on earth and under the earth, not because he is a mighty warrior wielding a sword in great power, but because he isn't. We bend our knee before his name because his salvation is rooted in humbleness, kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Because his salvation heals the wounded, brings the outcast into the fold, befriends the lonely, and consoles the fearful with grace and compassion, belonging, and love. Because the salvation that Jesus brings transforms us, liberates our true selves, our true identities, so that we can be who we were created to be as we live a life closer and closer to the heart of Jesus. And all of this begins in baptism. As we renounce those things that keep us from God and commit ourselves to the way of Jesus, as that water washes over our heads and we participate in some mysterious way in the death of Christ and are raised with him into new life, we are given a new identity and we are marked as Christ's own forever. Just as God tells Moses that God's name will be put on the Israelites as a blessing in our numbers reading, so too in baptism is Christ's name put on us so that our lives, our true and sacred and holy identities, will begin and end and be fully wrapped up in the love and grace of God as known through Jesus. So even while Juliet questions what exactly is in a name, we know that names actually contain a whole lot. A name not only tells us Jesus' true identity as the savior and redeemer of the world, but his name that has been put on us in our baptisms also conveys who we are as beloved, saved, liberated, and redeemed children of God who are always becoming who we were created to be in Christ. 
So as we name this child today and celebrate her baptism, let us remember that Christ has put his name on each and every one of us and has and will continue to save us, to liberate us and heal and redeem and restore us in the midst of all of the dark and broken parts of our lives. As we recite our baptismal covenant and watch as water washes over this child's head, let us rediscover our true identity nestled beside this eight-day-old baby who laid in a humble manger. As we come to adore him on bended knee with our whole heart and our whole mind and our whole soul, confessing him as Lord of all creation, let us discover, planted in our own hearts, the love of him who is the Savior and Redeemer of the world. Amen. <laughs>